Welcome to Improbable Walks, a podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we stroll down a different block of the city, exploring Parisian history, people, stories, and architecture. For our New Year's podcast, we're taking a stroll with my good friend Heather Stimler along the medieval market street Rue Mouffetard in the 5th arrondissement. The Rue Mouffetard goes back to Roman times. In the Middle Ages, this part of the 5th arrondissement wasn't even inside Paris city limits, but instead was a rough neighborhood just outside one of the city gates. Even after being incorporated into the Latin Quarter, the street kept a lot of its personality, and shops selling all kinds of amazing foods have prospered here for centuries which makes Mouffetard the perfect street to talk about for the holiday season because food is the main focus of New Year's celebrations in Paris. It's also perfect for me to check in with Heather over the holidays because we first met a long time ago at a fellow writer's Christmas party in a little Paris loft. I miss being in the City of Lights this time of year, so Heather's going to help create that holiday mood for me. Heather's writing career started in Scottsdale, Arizona, where she was teen correspondent at the Phoenix Gazette. She studied political science and environmental policy at Carleton College in Minnesota and the University of Paris, de Panthéon Assas, in Paris, where she moved permanently after graduating. After working for 17 years in the Paris travel industry as an author, tour guide, and publisher, in 2016, Heather became the media director for a nonprofit marine conservation group. In her free time, Heather maintains her awesome website, Secrets of Paris, which means she's my go-to buddy for new trends and for little-known historical corners of the city. We chose to talk about Rue Mouffetard because it's Heather's favorite market street. This is where she first lived when she came to Paris. And no, she wasn't consciously trying to emulate fellow American in Paris, Ernest Hemingway, but by sheer chance, she ended up living mere blocks from one of his earliest addresses. You can read A Movable Feast to get Hemingway's take on the area back in the 1920s. This is his opening paragraph. Then there was the bad weather. It would come in one day when the fall was over. We would have to shut the windows in the night against the rain, and the cold wind would strip the leaves from the trees in the Place Contrescarpe. The leaves lay sodden in the rain, and the wind drove the rain against the big green autobus at the terminal, and the Café des Amateurs was crowded, and the windows misted over from the heat and the smoke inside. Today, Heather and I are starting this walk just above the Place Contrescarpe, and we gradually work our way up the street past the food shops. 
We'll finish up outside the Church of St. Medard en Muftar, which has a very bizarre special clemency from the Pope, as you'll discover. While you're listening, remember that Heather is actually walking along Rue Muftar while we're talking. So there's occasional background noise with children coming home from school, Parisians shopping and talking on the street, and you can sometimes hear Heather's footsteps on the wet cobblestones because of the winter rain, as Hemingway described. But of course, the rain makes the Christmas lights extra sparkly. For nearly 20 years that I've known Heather, she has been wearing a beret in winter to keep the rain off and keep her ears warm. So, as it turns out, she bought her first beret here on Rue Mouftard. So we start out talking about that. Okay, so my beret. Um, I've had the same beret since I was a student, 1995, which I bought not pre-plan I thought berets were stupid and Americans always made fun of Parisians and their berets so I was like I'm not gonna buy a beret but it was so cold when I got here (laughs) it was just so cold and I needed something to keep my ears warm and it was so windy and so I needed something that wouldn't blow off my head and well you know gray was cheap and at the time it was like 10 francs which is like less than two dollars and that was perfect for my student budget and somehow my little black wool beret made it through through all the years, through my travels, through like moving to like 20 different other addresses. Uh, I think I left it in bars, left it on a metro once, and somehow it always made its way back to me. So I have I still have that trusty beret. I did upgrade to a new beret that doesn't it didn't. It is it, your it, new beret is slightly classier and it's blacker because yeah. your old beret was is starting <laughs> to look. It's, it looks you like know, it's showing its age a tiny bit, though it is a loyal, loyal beret. But... Gosh, so it's pretty much nighttime now. Oh, it's kind of hard to tell. It's just like weird. That's beautiful. The colors oh. of twilight are coming in because it gets dark oh, yeah. so early. Although I have some very lovely memories of doing my last minute shopping in the evening on the way home when it's quite dark, but the Christmas lights are kind of still twinkling and there's still long lineups at the bakery because the breads come out in time for dinner and so forth oh yeah the french will stand in line for food i love that although i suppose we do that everywhere that you live outside i guess maybe in new york city they'll line up for food as well but i mean there's like six bakeries in my neighborhood and only one has a line outside (laughs) because it is the best one the one that has the especially at this time of year if you're looking for a particular kind of bûche de noel a christmas log cake or something it's totally worth lining up for oh totally because that was the other revelation is that Parisians do not tend to bake pastries or cakes or pies. They go out and buy them. Like <laughs> no, people don't make, yeah. French people don't make their own bread and they definitely do not make their own macarons. I mean, I know you can't, well, I guess now you probably can, but you couldn't get macarons in the States. So people wanted to learn how to make them, but French people don't make them. You go out and buy them. The pastry. Same thing like croissants. You would never make your own croissants just seems like a lot of work for something that costs a euro exactly and you know where to find a good one so oh yeah and you know it's amazing how bad they can be as well I mean I think a lot of people don't realize not all the baguettes taste the same and all the croissants and pan au chocolat don't taste the same either there really is a difference and 
I mean, if you're visiting and it's your first time, you know, just eat what you can get. You know, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But once uh, once you have a little bit of time, you know, I tell people, like, don't worry about what the best place is. Try them all yourself and you decide. <laughs> exactly. Do a survey because where is the yeah. hardship? It means you have to try a number of different bakeries in your neighborhood. And if you're living yeah, near Rue Mouffetard, you get to walk up and down this amazing medieval street. Oh, and yeah. You know, and I mean, buildings. what... What better excuse to, like, you know, gorge yourself by being like, well, haven't tried the pen or chocolate at this bakery. I guess we're going to have to get in line. <laughs> I think yeah. that is actually the best tourism advice ever is just choose the thing you like at the bakery and try it at yeah. a whole bunch. Of oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll get some duds. There's no doubt about it. You'll get the stale one. But then every once in a while you get that one that's like you, you okay. take a bite into it. and You're like, oh, my God, it's still warm inside. It's so amazing. Same with the bread. I still get surprised by both really bad baguettes, but also really good ones. Like they're, they're usually okay. They're usually fine. Almost anywhere is fine. But like every once in a while, you just get like, wow, this is an amazing baguette. And about half of it makes it home with you. The other half is eaten en route. That also is actually okay. Technically, like nobody is going to like look at you askance if you are breaking off the tapir baguette and eating it on the way home. This is a 18th century fountain. And I believe it's the same one that brings water to, well, brought water to Luxembourg Gardens. Um, so this aqueduct basically gave water to the entire neighborhood. This is a little right. weird. It looks like, um, looks like somebody broke off the <laughs> itself. The actual spot. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this, this But it was really a useful fountain. I mean, that's one thing that it's hard to picture today, but the fact that so many people living in basically really crowded tenements in medieval Paris had to, and medieval just outside the walls of Paris where you are now, had to actually carry their water, get water carriers to deliver their water from- Yep, that was a big part of like every day is going to get your water. Exactly. getting somebody to go get your water and then I, people usually had these big almost what we think of as like the water cooler type thing um they're made of metal and they used to put charcoal on the bottom to try to filter it but obviously uh, because of so many epidemics of cholera and other things people didn't drink water that much unless they boiled it and you know if you're going to boil it you might as well make beer or exactly. wine, <laughs> wine. You might as well just drink mulled wine, which is why mulled oh, wine totally. is such a sensible thing to drink at this yeah. time of year. Well, they say through the 1800s, the French drank beer mostly, uh, a very weak, like a what do they call that? A three three fifths beer. I can't what we call that. Right. Um, because and even in the hospitals, they used to brew their own in the hospitals and give it to uh, breastfeeding mothers because yeah. the water was too dangerous. So yeah. <laughs> the butcher shop there. So that's the that's the last butcher shop um, before the bottom of the street. There used to be one right in, in the building that I lived in. And I remember coming home <laughs> quite early in the morning and um, they'd have the truck outside and they were delivering the, the full animals uh, because the butchers, um, not all the butcher houses do this, but uh, the butcher below me would basically take the whole animals and then chop it up himself. So there would be these guys wearing, they look like almost like doctor coats, but with little little white hoods so that they could put the, I guess sides of or racks of lamb, all those sorts of different animals over their shoulder and kind of lean against their head. You can carry and, uh, them because they're really carried inside. Yeah. And I was again, I was a vegetarian when I was a student. So I just remember 
like I'm up on the fourth floor, but I could hear them chopping. You could hear the <laughs> chopping block. <laughs> like a chop, chop, because it echoed. Well, historically, that's kind of appropriate to sort of wrap up with the the great butcher saga of medieval France. Oh, yeah. So the great story of uh, how Semedard Cathedral, cathedral, it's a church, Semedard Church. church. It's a very pretty church, though. Pretty 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 medieval church. Yeah, look at that angle. They've cleaned the facade, but it's all pretty now. So Semedard is... um, has links to the famous um, Sweeney Todd story, supposedly based on an actual historic uh, story from France in the Middle Ages, where there was a butcher shop next to a barber shop, just next to Notre Dame, so on the Rue du Quatre de Notre Dame. And uh, the butcher was famous for making these amazing meat pies that everybody loved, including the priests of Notre Dame. And it was right next to a barber shop. And supposedly one of the students from the Latin Quarter, because people came from all over Europe to study at the Sorbonne, uh, was there, I think from Germany, they said, a German student, um, went in to get a shave or a haircut and his dog was waiting outside for him and he never came out. And so the dog just sat there and sat there and sat there and and started crying. And finally they opened up the door and the dog darted inside, ran down into the cellar and they found that the cellar was connected to the butcher shop next door. And all the <laughs> people, including this poor student, they had found bodies of people who had been chopped up to make meat pies. A horrific story. And um, the priests, uh, even though it was unknowing, they, they had committed the sin of cannibalism. So they were going to be excommunicated and they wanted to make their case to the Pope. So they were uh, given some money and, and packed up their bags and were going... Uh, on their way to Rome. So they would have walked down the Rue Mouffetard. Um, Leaving the city of Paris, coming out the gate, and then they would have progressed yeah. out of the city of Paris because this was still outside the gates in medieval Yeah, time. yeah. So they right. would have gone, uh, they would have gone up past Castle uh, saint jacques and then down Mouffetard. And they stopped, uh, they stopped at the first inn for the night, which was just outside of uh, what is now the Eglise saint And they had such a nice time. And this was definitely not a neighborhood that you would hang out in. It was full of bandits and it was quite dangerous, uh, again, outside the city. So they would always uh, attack carriages, especially ones making deliveries of goods. So, these, But these priests decided like they quite liked it there and they had a lot of fun. So they were gonna just stay there instead of going to Rome. Uh, and they become sort of the local, the local uh, friars, I guess you could say. They're no longer really priests, but they're hanging out in this neighborhood, hanging out at the church with the bandits. On the roof of the <laughs> and um, at some point, the the Pope actually is on his way into Paris, and his carriage is attacked by bandits. And lo and behold, the priests uh, of uh, Notre Dame were there to rescue him. So, in return for their uh, their rescue. Their convenient rescue. Yeah, I know. Just a little too convenient that, you know, just happened to be there at the right time and the right place. And so they were given clemency. And Samadar Church is the only church, uh, supposedly, where they have the right to forgive the sin of cannibalism. Which is good to know. Okay, I'll keep it in mind if uh, 2020, the last few weeks, go really sideways. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, everyone needs like to keep these little facts somewhere in their pocket. Okay. <laughs> we, need, we need to fit that into some sort of adventure novel or oh yeah, or something. It feels like it'd be a great plot twist somewhere along the line. 
Like, yes. I must get to seminar, but why? <laughs> Save my soul. Save your soul. Uh, well, I'm going to let you wrap up your actual shopping with that rather terrifying story. <laughs> Still a vegetarian. Uh, yeah, you're not entirely a vegetarian anymore because I know no, last no. year we ate foie gras together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I do have, I'm, I'm not entirely vegan because I still eat duck. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose they could sneakily stick some, uh, some human meat into my foie gras. And I oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Always eat the full bird, folks. <laughs> it's a lot safer. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get some of my shopping done before everything closes up and maybe get me some hot wine. Yeah, I would. I wish I could be there and have a glass of hot wine with you because it looks beautiful, even though it's rainy. It looks really beautiful, oh, yeah. with all the glittering Christmas lights and everything on Muftaft. Thank you so much for joining my improbable walk along the Rue Muftar with Heather Stimler. For more about Heather, please check out her site, secretsofparis.com. And if you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to my podcast. For details about today's street, please visit my website, lisapassold.com. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year. And until next time, we go strolling through Paris together.